0: Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life.
1: We are an ever evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live commanded to love, commissioned to serve. And if you can't remember all of that, we live, love, serve. Amen. 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 Praise God. Um, and if you will grab your, your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, and turn with me uh, this morning to the gospel according to John. I'm so grateful uh, for Pastor extending this opportunity for me to be before you on today and grateful that it is Palm Sunday. Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, We will be distributing palms outside after service uh, on today. Uh, So be sure to get your palms on the way um, as you leave. Uh, The Gospel According to John, we're going to be looking at three different scriptures. Yes, I said three. Amen. And... Okay. Uh, John 11, uh, the 11th chapter. And we'll start in verse one. Y'all got it? Say amen. John 11 and one. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. And then we'll go down to in that same uh, verse, same chapter, verse 17. So still John 11, and we're going to read now 17 through 20. And it reads, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. Somebody say four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Hmm, yeah the plot thickens. All right, go down to John 12, the next chapter, and we'll start reading at verse 1. John 12 and 1. Six six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, uh, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day. Of my burial let's pray thank you God thank you Lord mm, thank you God
2: may your troubles keep you near the cross and may your struggles Prove that you need God. And may your battles end up the way they should. And may your bad days prove that God is good. And may your whole life prove that God is good. Hallelujah. God, we bless your name. Hallelujah.
1: God, we thank you and we, we love you and we're so grateful for this day, for this moment. We're grateful for your spirit that's resting in this place. God, we're grateful. For your, your anointing that is present and among us. For it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And we are grateful for the breaking. God, speak to us on today. Allow your spirit to rise and stand tall in us. God, stand tall in me that your children might hear you more than they see me. And we give you honor. And we give you glory. And we give you praise for you, God, are worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 As you remain seated standing, um, I just want to read that third verse in the 12th chapter. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, I am unstoppable. Amen. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, I am am. am. unstoppable. Amen. Can't you just say that to yourself? I am am. unstoppable. Come on, give the Lord a hand, clap of praise as you take your seats this morning. For truly, truly you are unstoppable. I am so excited, still excited, and still celebrating because just on this past Thursday, April 7th, 2022, Katanji Brown Jackson was confirmed as the 116th Supreme Court Justice in these United States of America. Can we give God some praise, amen, for this historic and monumental event. Hallelujah. The vote came in at 53 to 47, which paved the way for Jackson to become the first black woman to serve on the highest court in our nation. There was controversy uh, when Biden announced that the appointment would be a black woman. But I'm not sure why there was so much controversy. Certainly, we recognize that 115 people have served on this court before her, and not one of them was a black woman. We've had two black men, but not a black woman. And so certainly in an effort to be inclusive and diverse, don't you love inclusion and diversity? Amen. We celebrate this historical appointment. I would like to think in my mind that Katanji Brown Jackson was unstoppable. Somebody say unstoppable. She was unstoppable, the vote was unstoppable, and here we are able to celebrate something new that's never happened, certainly in the history of our nation, uh, because she was unstoppable. But even though she was unstoppable, I do believe she might have, might have, experienced a little trauma in this process. Are you with me this morning? Certainly we saw some of our elected officials questioning her in such an aggressive manner that it was more statements than questions. And and many times she didn't even have an opportunity to respond. I think that she might have experienced Some trauma. Even as I looked at the way the news was reporting, depending on which station you're watching, you got sort of a different story. Not only is she hearing this, but her family's hearing this, her friends are hearing this, her children are hearing this. I would dare say that maybe she experienced some trauma along the way. And when I looked up the definition of trauma, um, I found that it is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience traumatic experiences. But then in psychology, trauma is actually a person's emotional response to a distressing experience. So the trauma can be the experience itself, but it also can be our emotional or psychological response to the experience. Few people can go through their life without encountering some kind of trauma if you are in the building today if you are home watching today and you've experienced some trauma in your life just raise your hand amen let us know we're not alone amen highly we see the hands that are up we see the hands that are up because we've all most of us if not all of us have experienced some type of trauma i remember uh, when i first started preaching um, and you know, I was preaching at a church who that did not believe that God called women to preach. Amen. You know, cause God can do everything except call a woman to preach. I'm trying to help somebody right now. I'm trying to help somebody that's your God who you say can do anything. If you have a, but at the end of that, then certainly we need to change the beginning of that sentence. Amen. I digress. But at any rate, I would I would get up to preach. I'd accepted my call. I get up to preach. And when I would stand up to preach, the deacons at the church who all sat on the front row would all stand up in unison. It's almost like the quest. Somebody was directing them stand and they walk out. I know. Right. And, And the thing about it is they didn't do it. Um, at the beginning of service, and this was during the time where we wore robes, so the only time I wore a robe was when I was preaching, so people knew that I was preaching because I had a robe on. They didn't leave at the beginning of service. they would wait until I got up to stand behind the pulpit and say, "Praise the Lord, everybody, or hallelujah or good morning or whatever, and then they would stand. And they would leave. And so even with my licensing, which was a beautiful day, even with my ordination, which was a beautiful day, even with these 25 years that I've been preaching, when I think about my journey, I still remember the trauma of, that, of having to preach through people getting up and walking out on me. Uh, and so, so I say that to say because many of us have had wonderfully uh, amazing experience, even post-trauma. But the beauty post trauma does not negate the pain of the trauma. Are you with me this morning? Um, and so um, I, I think about even even as we sit here today, those of us that maybe didn't raise our hands and say that we've gone through trauma. If we thought, our, and even about the COVID nineteen global pandemic, Amen. We we most of us, if not all of us, experienced some trauma around COVID, right? Worldwide, 498 million cases with over 6 million deaths. And in the U.S. alone, 84 million cases and nearly a million deaths. Um, And the thing about it is this trauma, the trauma of seeing people sick and seeing people die and not being able to go out and the the sense of isolation, of the fear of of being contagious. All of those things play into that trauma and often trauma leaves evidence, right? Um, One of the most visible signs of of evidence is called PTS, right? Post-traumatic stress. Now, PTS gone untreated can end up being PTSD, right? Depending on the depth of the trauma, the depth of the hurt, post-traumatic stress disorder. But, but many of us experience this PTS, right? It's an anxiety problem that develops in some people after extremely traumatic events, right? And so the psychological trauma, um, the, this post-traumatic stress can produce things like anxiety, Right? Fear, uh, depression, um, even suicidal ideations, uh, substance abuse, all then left untreated can develop into the disorder. Y'all with me this morning? Uh, and so I think that um, certainly I believe uh, that our new Supreme Court justice, newly elected Supreme Court justice, experienced some trauma. Um, and I believe that I've experienced some trauma and certainly most of us have experienced some trauma. And if you, you've you experienced trauma and you know what it is to have this PTS, this post-traumatic stress, then maybe you can identify with where this group is in the Bible that we just read about. This group gathered at Lazarus' home, because I think that this group had experienced some trauma, All right, At the beginning of the 11th chapter, it opens up talking about uh, uh, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus and how he was ill. Um, it goes on to say that they sent word to Jesus uh, that the one whom he loved was sick, uh, but Jesus didn't go right away. He stayed two more days where he was, And then by the time that they went on the journey, by the time they got uh, to to Bethany, Lazarus had already died. Not only had he died, but he had been in the tomb four days. Can you imagine the trauma that Mary and Martha and the community experienced? Having to watch him in his illness and then having to watch him die and then having to go through the burial ceremony? And then having to put him in the tomb and then having to roll the stone in front of the tomb, traumatizing to the extent that by the time Jesus finally came uh, to see about them, the text said that Martha went to greet him, but Mary, she stayed at home. I think Mary might have had a little PTS, might have had even a little bit of an attitude. Um, But then the word says that Martha went back and got Mary. Mary came back, and when she saw Jesus, she said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Harsh words for Jesus at that time. To the extent that she started crying, others started crying, and the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. Only time in the New Testament that mentions Jesus crying, and it is in this event. And I believe it was just seeing the pain of everyone experiencing his own pain, even thinking about what was to come for him. But he cried. Trauma. Talking about trauma this morning. Tell your neighbor trauma. Uh, But even in the midst of trauma, that trauma did not stop this group from gathering because Jesus did raised Lazarus from the grave. They rolled the stone away and he came forth. He called Lazarus out and he said, loose him and let him go. And so the man who was dead and in the tomb four days now was living. And Jesus said, it was for the glory of God. Right? It's after Lazarus is raising that the Jews and the Pharisees conspired to kill Jesus, for truly now he wasn't a man that just talked about it, Um, healing this person, healing that one, saving that one. But now there was a man who had been dead four days, raised by Jesus. He was a threat. And so now here they are gathered in the home of Lazarus uh, with many who were there uh, experiencing how he was dead and how he now lives again. And that trauma did not stop them from continuing to move forward in their lives because sometimes we just got to keep going. We got to keep going. We got to keep living. We got to keep loving. We got to keep serving. We got to keep moving. Don't get stuck. We got to keep going. We got to keep living. We got to keep loving. We got to keep serving. Don't get stuck. We got to keep living. We got to keep loving. We got to keep serving. We got to keep giving. Don't get stuck. And that's what they did. They didn't get stuck. They kept going to the extent that they were having a feast and a celebration. And they were there gathered at the table. Can you see them? If you close your eyes, you might be able to see the table with them gathered around. Uh, They're looking at each other. They're looking at Lazarus, probably still in awe, probably still surprised that my brother who was dead is now living. Jesus is sitting there, the one who had done this great miracle. And then something happens. The text tells us that Mary and Martha were there. Uh, It says Martha was serving. Now, I like that word for serving. I had to look it up in the Greek. Amen. Amen. Um, and it said, Martha served. The word for served there is uh, diakonia. Diakonia uh, in Greek is deacon in English. And so when you read the scripture in Acts 6 about the commissioning of the first deacons, the word that they used for the calling of those deacons were diakonia. But before... Uh, those disciples chose men to serve in the role of diaconia in Acts 6. Martha was diaconia in John. We're all together? So, so while Martha is serving, she's acting as deacon to Jesus and the disciples. Now I'm not making this up, it's in the text diaconia. And I wonder when when the disciples and and the community was complaining about the disciples not being able to serve the needs of the community and they said, elect seven uh, diaconia among you, if maybe they were thinking about Martha, who had already been serving as diaconia, as deacon to Jesus and the disciples. But Martha wasn't the only woman present. Mary was there too. And and the text said that Mary then um, anoints Jesus' feet um, with this costly perfume and then wipes his feet with her hair. Now, unless her hair was long like Rapunzel, that means that she really had to be on the ground. On the ground low enough to pull her hair and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. So Mary is showing up in this posture of humility. She's not just on the floor, she's at his feet. And and, and while she's in that position, in that posture um, of humility, while Martha was diakonia, Mary began anointing Jesus' feet. Now, I look through the Bible to find out who does anointing. And the only people that I could find who were doing anointing were priests. Moses anoints Aaron as high priest for the children of Israel. Samuel anoints Saul as king and then anoints David as king. And so the anointers were the priests and those who were being anointed were priests and kings. So could it be that Mary was serving as priest to anoint Jesus as high priest and king in that moment? I'm just I mean, I, I welcome you, go look through the, but it's priests, it's prophets, the ones who are doing this anointing. so So could it be my brothers, my sisters, my friends, my family, that that these two women, we're serving in positions that we've been told in our lives that women are not to serve in being ordained as deacons and ordained as priests. But it's right there in the Bible. If we just dig a little bit, we might be able to see some new models for ministry. So Martha is diaconia, serving as deacon and Mary is serving as priest. And then she wiped her feet with with his hair. And I wonder why she did it with her hair, because back then a woman's touch was forbidden. Women could not touch men unless it was your husband or your father or your brother. But she found another way. And I just want you to know, use your creative imagination because there's always a way. And when that way is stopped, there's always another way. So so she didn't wipe them with her hands; She wiped them with her hair to honor their tradition, but still step out of the boundaries of what other people might have expected her. Trauma didn't stop Mary from showing up, and it didn't stop her from anointing his feet. Serving as a model for ministry, Mary was Unstoppable. This wasn't just an act of humility, but it was an act of sacrifice because when she makes this sacrifice, two things happen. Judas rebukes and Jesus defends. Judas gets an attitude. And I'm sitting here wondering, how in the world can you get an attitude after watching somebody give such a gift of humility, a gift of sacrifice, a gift of generosity, but clearly he was there, but he wasn't there. Perhaps he had already made up his mind to betray Jesus. Who knows? Perhaps it was already in the recesses of his mind, so he's looking at this sacrifice as a waste. Why would she pour this costly perfume worth 300 denarii? 300 denarii was the equivalent of one year's wages back then. That's why the writer wants us to know this is a significant. She wasn't coming with a tithe. So y'all know I got to stop right here because some of us don't even want to give the 10% that God requires. Now, the truth is God could ask us for the 90% because it all belongs to God anyway. Well, how do you know it belongs to God, Reverend LaKeisha? Because you can't take it with you. All that you've accumulated, all of your wealth, will be right here when you leave because it doesn't belong to you. And guess what? You can leave it to your children and they can leave it to their children, but guess what happens when they leave? You can't take it with you. That's why this notion of giving ought to be something as natural to us as breathing because it doesn't belong to us. And so when God says, give me a tenth and I'll build my kingdom with the tenth. I don't know about you, but I want to be a participant in seeing what God can do with 10% when many of us can't even manage the 90% that, Lord have mercy. What have you built with your 90%? Because it's evident what God is doing with God's 10%. Okay, I digress. This woman. Didn't give 10%. She gave an entire years of salary, an entire year. When was the last time you gave on that level to the point where it cost you something? When was the last time you gave in a way that made you feel good about that gift because you knew that in your giving, God was going to smile on you? When was the last time you gave something that cost you something to the extent that people around you said, what? That's what Judas said. Wait, wait a minute, Mary. Why was this not sold for 300 denarii? And then he adds this. And then the money given to the poor. Like he really cared about the poor. He didn't care about the poor. He cared about the purse. Because the writer says he used to steal from the purse. And and, and so you have to know that when you show up in your unstoppable ways, that there will be people around you who are going to criticize you for the things that you do. They will not understand your reasoning. They will not understand your sacrifice. Some of them may not even understand how you are still showing up and doing what God has called you to do. But remember, you're not doing it for them. So they don't need to understand it. You're doing it for the one who gave you life. You're doing it for the one who gave your breath. You're doing it for the one that gave you hope. You're doing it for the one that gave you peace. You're doing it for the one who gave you strength. So don't let anybody stop you from being a blessing to the God who blesses you. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. And and so Judas rebukes her, um, wants her to second guess herself. Um, And I'm so glad that that Mary didn't even have to defend herself. Jesus defended her. Uh, And Jesus' defense makes her unstoppable. Jesus said to Judas, man, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Some of us need to say that today. Some situations that we see going on that we know ain't right. Leave her alone leave him alone. Leave them alone. It may be your voice is the voice that needs to be heard. So don't sit back and wait on somebody else to say what you can say yourself. Speak up. You've been given a voice for that very reason. Jesus defends her and says, leave her alone. And I like it because the scripture tells us that when she when she made this offering, when she anointed Jesus, she was doing it in a way to bless Jesus. But because of her generosity, she not only blessed Jesus, she blessed everybody that was in the house. Because the text said the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So because they were in the house, they got a blessing. They got an overflow of the blessing that she was giving to Jesus. And we've got to we got to remember that, that when we give, it not only impacts the one that we're giving to, but it impacts others because of the overflow of that gift. That's why give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And and so I said, I wonder why. Why does she do this? Why was it out of guilt? Uh, Did she feel guilty because she didn't came, didn't come initially when Jesus came? That she stayed home because maybe she had an attitude. Amen. Don't get mad at Mary. We might have had an attitude too. It's like, hmm, oh, now he wants to show up. Come on now. Especially after you know what he can do. Maybe she felt guilty that, that Martha had to come back and get her and actually convince her to come along. I don't know. Maybe she felt guilty because of the attitude she gave Jesus when she told him, if you were here, my brother would not have died. I don't know. But maybe it was guilt or maybe it was gratitude. Maybe she was so grateful for what Jesus had done, uh, the way he had shown up. Even though she thought it was late, it wasn't too late. She was able to raise, he was able to raise uh, Lazarus. So maybe she was grateful for all that he had done. Grateful that he did come. Grateful that even after four days, um, her her brother could be raised from the dead. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just because she loved him. The text said that Jesus loved them and they, they loved him. Maybe this was just a response. But whatever it was, she gave this outpouring of blessing. That not only blessed Jesus, but blessed everybody in the house. Uh, I have a cousin who served in the, in the war. And he was saying to me that, that um, um, w- when they would um, blow up these buildings and there were bodies in them, you could smell the bodies burning. And he said that is a scent that no one should ever have to smell. And we were smelling it all the time. Um, um, and this is well, kind of cousin, play cousin. Um, he said to me, um, the only way I could get the smell and that stench out of my nose is when I used. And so I wonder, I wonder if, if these folks who are at this table, who are at this dinner, may have still had the stench of death in their noses. Because I can't imagine what that smell was after rolling rolling that stone away after he had already been dead and decomposition had started in his body. So perhaps the fragrance replaced the stench. And so we've got to know that our sacrifice can replace some stenches. Because we've all got some stenches. Stenches of loneliness and stenches of grief and stenches of selfishness and stenches of depression and stenches of promiscuity and stenches of anger, stenches of resentfulness and stenches of covetousness. We've all got some stenches, but the sacrifice can remove the stench. I just need about five people that can recognize that a sacrifice can remove a stench. Something that's in you that you're trying to get out of you. Sometimes when you give your way through it. Yeah, you can pray your way through it, you can sing your way through it, you can fast your way through it, but you can also give your way through it, and in that giving, the stench can be removed. Um, I really like this scripture. I like the way the writer um, has kind of sandwiched the story of Lazarus. In between kind of a foreshadowing of Mary and Martha um, in the first two verses of chapter 11. And then they come back in chapter 12 and actually tell the fuller story. It's almost like he said, you remember, this is the one. It's almost like he was having a conversation, like he was expecting that the people that was going to read this text that he was writing would already have heard this story. But then maybe in writing it realized that maybe there'll be other people who will read this generations later that may not know the full story. So let me tell the full story. That's how important this story is, that he would mention it foreshadowing at the beginning Of Verse 11, but then he would come back at the end and and, and tell the whole story just in case somebody hadn't heard it or in case somebody missed it or didn't know the truth or the facts of the story. And and I like that because it's significant. Um, Even when Jesus told uh, Judas to leave her alone, he said she bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. But if she bought it so that she might keep it for the day of your burial, why did she anoint you and open it then when you hadn't died? Because see, back then when someone died, Uh, The family then came and brought spices and and ointments and perfumes to put on the body so that to slow down the decomposition process. This is back Mediterranean like it's hot back then. And, And so this is what they did to preserve the body. So if she brought it for his burial, then why not save it for his burial? Why then anoint him then in the house? And what I realized when I go back and I read the other gospels, that by the time the women came with the spices to anoint the body, Jesus had already risen from the grave. And so maybe she anointed him then because she wasn't going to be able to anoint him after he died. Are y'all with me? And so ultimately, basically, she said she wasn't going to wait. And I just need about five people in here who recognize that I need to show the people that I love, that I love them now. I need to give them their flowers while they're living, while they can still see them, while they can still smell them, while they can still enjoy them. That we don't need to wait another day, or wait another year, or wait till the next birthday, or wait till the big birthday. Who says that birthdays that end in zero and five are the big birthdays? Why isn't every birthday a big So maybe she did it because she just couldn't wait and she decided she wanted to do something for him then so that he would know how much she loved and appreciated all that she did. Mary was unstoppable. Her brother's death didn't stop her. Jesus coming, what she thought late, didn't stop her. And even Judas's rebuke didn't stop her. She was unstoppable. She didn't care how she looked. She got herself on that floor. She was there next to Jesus. She didn't care about breaking the rules, touching them even with her hair. She didn't care about what others thought and didn't care about the cost. She was unstoppable. Uh, And in my mind, I said, well, um, how did she show up in that way? Because, I mean, like, didn't she have a little PTS? Didn't she have a little post-traumatic stress? I mean, her brother dying was traumatizing him being dead in the grave for four days was traumatizing even him being raised had to be kind of traumatizing seeing something you had never seen before where is mary's pts i mean i got a little pts i think katanji brown jackson may have a little pts maybe we all anybody here feel like they got a little pts wait um, so I'm like, where, how was she able to show up and do all this? Where's the PTS? And then I did a little research, and I'm about to get out your way. Richard Tedeschi, in his research, his famous uh, psychiatrist, found out that not all trauma ends with a negative result or a negative response. That some trauma can actually lead to a positive response. And that positive response is termed post-traumatic growth, or PTG. It is a positive change that you can experience as a result of your struggle with a highly challenging life event. It, It goes on to say that many individuals who experience a traumatic event endorse positive outcomes such as uh, a newfound appreciation of life PTG spiritual renewal PTG personal growth PTG um, uh, a stronger relationships PTG greater awareness of new possibilities. come on I, I know I know I'm talking to somebody in here PTG. Increase personal strength. Anybody got any PTG in here? Spiritual enhancement? PTG, deeper appreciation for life? PTG, post-traumatic growth, is when you experience the worst thing that maybe you could have possibly experienced, something even you wouldn't wish on your enemy, but then on the side of it, instead of staying traumatized, you make the decision that you're going to grow your way through it. So yes, you may still have some PTS, but you not only have PTS, you got PTG as well. You might have some post-traumatic stress, but you also got some post-traumatic growth. If you're here on this morning, you got some PTG. If you are still breathing and in your right mind, you got some PTSG. If it made you better and not bitter, come on, somebody. You got some PTSG. If it made you stronger and not silent, You got some PTSD. I don't know who you are and I don't know where you are, but the trauma that you've experienced will not kill you. It will not defeat you. It will not stop you. And instead of just sitting in that, lean into the growth. Lean into what you've learned. Lean into what you've overcome. Lean into how you're stronger. Lean into how you're wiser. Lean into how you're better. She was unstoppable. Katanji Brown Jackson is unstoppable I am unstoppable you are unstoppable cuz you got PTG hallelujah hallelujah anybody grateful for some PTG post traumatic growth cuz what didn't kill me made me stronger what didn't kill me made me taller What didn't kill me pushed me farther. I'm not dead. I still live. I will not die. I will live because I'm stronger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you stand up all over the building? You are unstoppable. You've already survived the worst of it. And yes, the trauma might still be there. And yes, the post-traumatic stress disorder might still be present, but that's not all you have. You also have some post-traumatic growth, some PTG that continues to remind you that you are not alone, that God is with you, giving you what you need to continue to move forward because you are unstoppable. Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you know you're unstoppable.
2: (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Come on, let's pray. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Oh, hallelujah, God, we bless your name. Oh, hallelujah, God, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Hallelujah, you're worthy. God, thank you for reminding us today that we are stronger than our worst pain, than our worst hurt, that we are growing. We are living we are loving, we are serving. Yes, the trauma was real. And no, we can't take away from that, but we can say it didn't destroy us. And on the other side of this, we are committed to standing tall in who you are and all that you've given us, all the strength that you've given us, all the love that you've given us, all the joy and the peace that you've given us. God, we stand there and recognize that we are more than what people see in us. Oh, God, that's why you search us and know us by our hearts, because we're not just physical beings. We're emotional, psychological, mental beings as well, spiritual beings as well. Thank you, God, for making us stronger. Thank you, God, for reminding us that the best is yet to come. Thank you, God, for reminding us that a best case scenario is always possible. Thank you, God for reminding us that nobody can put a limit on our lives to tell us what we can or cannot do because through you all things are possible. Not all things except, all things inclusive of all things, oh God. That you can use who you want to use, how you want to use them, when you want to use them. God, we are available for you. Use us, oh God, as you see us and as you continue to move us forward lord we bless your name we thank you and we love you we love you and we honor you we honor you oh god and we are grateful that we are unstoppable hallelujah now god keep us strong until we meet again on the other side where the sun neither rises nor sets because the Son is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And it's in your name, oh God, that we say amen.